A key component of the modern world economy, the chemical industry delivers products and innovations to enhance everyday life. It is also an industry in transformation, where chemical executives and workers are delivering growth and industry-changing advancements while responding to pressures from investors, regulators, and public opinion. Discover how leading companies are approaching these challenges here on The Chemical Show. Join Victoria Meyer, president of Progressio Global and host of The Chemical Show, as she speaks with executives across the industry and learns how they are leading their companies to grow, transform, and push industry boundaries on all frontiers. Here's your host, Victoria Meyer. Hi, this is Victoria Meyer, and welcome to The Chemical Show. This week, I am speaking with April Yeager. April is the Senior Vice President of Operations for Essential Ingredients. She's responsible for customer service, regulatory and compliance, supply chain, supplier relationships, and probably a whole lot more. She joined EI in December of 2020 after over 25 years at Clarient, which is a specialty chemical producer. And April has had a really varied career, everything from being a product development chemist to a business manager to head of North American Procurement at Clarient before joining EI and and taking on this really big supply chain and more role. I know she's got some great stories to tell, and uh, we're going to enjoy talking with April today. So April, welcome to The Chemical Show. Great. Thanks, Victoria. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Glad to have you here. So you've been in the chemical industry and in surfactants for most of your career. How did you get started? What even started you on this journey? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I was thinking about it, what I wanted to say to that type of a question. Being a a girl from a small town, I really always loved math and science. So I knew I wanted to go into that. And at the college I was at, UNCC in Charlotte, they had a program, a co-op program. And so I thought, well, let me give that a try and and see what that's like. So I um, interviewed at a company called Herxelenes, and that's a hard name to say, Thank goodness it's not too much out there anymore. (laughs) But I interviewed there and they offered me a position in their product development lab. And this was back in January of 1990. And so believe it or not, that is the same company that I ended up retiring from 30 years later. That's amazing. Yeah. Who would have guessed that, you know, you go in, you think, okay, yeah, let me try this out. And you end up staying your whole career there. So, I mean, that's interesting. It gets you started. And I think it's, there has to be something interesting that keeps you going. So what was it? Yeah. So I loved the lab work when I went in there and the people it's like, you know, anywhere you are, it's always the people that keep you there. But the lab work was so fun. You know, I worked on some really interesting projects. I worked on one, well, two projects that are still in commerce today. I worked on a a rheology modifier that was used in drilling and cementing fluids in oil fields, and they still sell it today. Wow, that's impressive. And I worked on the basically the raw material or the base for Olay Beauty Bars and Dove Bar Soap. Yeah. Still used today. So the development of both of those projects are two that I'm quite proud of. And you know, just enjoyed the lab work. I used to tell my friends, you know, if I win the lottery, I'm still gonna work in the lab every day because I love it. And yet you didn't stay in the lab because you moved into business roles for a big part of your career. That's right. So, and that's the other thing. That's the other reason that I stayed is I got lots of opportunities. I was asked to move into a product management role 
And that gave me an opportunity to kind of see a little bit more about business, right? I had a technical background and I didn't really know what business was about. So it gave me an opportunity to understand what that was and, you know, interact with customers. And, you know, the next move was into sales and business development opportunities, which was really cool. You know, I just kept developing. They kept giving me opportunities and I kept saying yes. Yeah, I'll give this a try. And so I worked up and became a sales manager and then ran some of the business segments on the industrial side. And then I ran some of the business segments on the consumer side. I ran the personal care business for Clarence for about six years. And that's actually how I met Essential Ingredients. We were looking for a distributor to promote our products as the personal care group. And so I met Chris Maynard and Chris Gerlach. And we wrote a contract. We started up a business, which is still going today. That's cool. Yeah. I think one of the things, April, you know, you talk about the variety that you had in your career. I think that's true for a lot of people across the chemical industry. And it's something that it's hard to understand when you're not in the business. And yet it's what keeps it interesting and keeps people engaged. And in fact, we probably need to do a better job of selling that when we're trying to bring people into the industry, right? About the fact that... One, the products that you're working on have really cool day-to-day impact and interactions, right? That's one thing, but also that you keep evolving. It's not static. You're evolving. You're evolving in your career. The business is evolving, et cetera. So I think that's one of the really interesting pieces. It absolutely is. And that makes me think of something that we're doing now at Essential Ingredients. You know, as a co-op student, I would love to be able to pay that forward to kids today, So we are doing an internship program and we're now, we have our second intern in and we bring the students in, we give them a project in the lab because they are, you know, a technical degree. We give them a project in the lab, a real project, you know, where they work on like the kid that's in there today or this semester is working on building salt curves and doing viscosity profiles for products. And, you know, I was in there talking to him the other day and he says, you know, when I'm in the lab at school, I don't have any downtime. I said, yeah, but in the real world, you're always going to have downtime because you don't know what the outcome's going to be. Yeah. You know, so it gives them an opportunity to see what real life chemistry is about, which is really great. We also try to give them kind of a holistic view of the business, you know, let them sit with the other departments, sales support, samples, logistics, so that when they leave that internship, they at least have some inkling of what a chemistry degree in practice might look like. Yeah, that's smart. That's really smart. So tell us a little bit about essential ingredients because some people are maybe not familiar with it. So tell us about it. Yeah, definitely. So essential ingredients is a people first evergreen company. And when we say evergreen, we're talking about a company that wants to stay independent and that wants to stay around for the long term. You know, we want to be a hundred year company. We just finished our 25th year last year in 2021. So we're a quarter of the way there. But we're also a company that strives to be a blessing to others. And how do we accomplish that as a chemical distributor? That's a question, right? How do you accomplish that as a chemical distributor? Yeah. How do you get there? What it's really about, Victoria, is selling relationships, building, fostering, and developing relationships upstream with our suppliers, downstream with our customers, inside the walls of essential ingredients with our employees, and then in the communities that we work and live as well. Yeah, that's interesting. In fact, I'd seen that statement on EI's website that, you know, we strive to be a blessing to others, which is a unique statement for a chemical company, right? I mean, it's a very personal statement that we don't often see, I think, in business. 
Yeah. And also sometimes you think, okay, well, how does that work in the chemical industry, right? Because blessing we tend to attribute to, like you said, to personal things. But so I looked up, what is blessing? Webster's Dictionary basically says it's providing favor or benefit to another. So that comes back to what I'm saying is we want to provide benefit for our suppliers. We want to provide benefit for our customers. We want to provide benefit for the employees that work for us. And essential ingredients, I don't think I mentioned this, is 100% ESOP, which means it's employee-owned, 100% employee-owned. So, you know, the employees have a stake in what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, which is really great. Yeah. Do you feel that employee ownership? Do people really get it? Yeah. They do. The type of people that work at Essential Ingredients really are have a servant heart. They really want to serve others. They want to make Essential the best distributor that we can be. They want to even take the things that they do and apply them into the community, right? Because it's not just about what we do inside the walls of Essential Ingredients. It's much more about how do we perpetuate that outside the walls with our suppliers, our customers, and our communities. Yeah. Interesting. So... You spent the majority, the vast majority of your career at a producer and with, you know, in manufacturer, right? So with kind of the ways of doing business and business relationships and et cetera, that chemical producers have, and now you're at a distributor, what's been the biggest difference or the biggest surprise that you've seen? Well, what I'll have to say there is the pace, the pace of business in a distributor is, is a lot different than in a manufacturer. You know, I'm used to taking a product and developing it through years and then, you know, launching it and then promoting it to a set of customers who are multinational. And, you know, it might take them four to six years to bring it to market, you know, so there's a long cycle there. Also, the number of products that you work on is really a lot smaller, right? You might have a hundred products that you promote and sell as a manufacturer. In the realm of the distributor world, we have over 2,000 products that we promote and sell in the marketplace. You know, so that's a lot different. (laughs) That's a big difference. Yeah. You know, the benefit that gives us is, you know, because we have many different suppliers in the personal care area, if you think about a bottle of shampoo on the shelf, we pretty much can supply anything that goes in that bottle. So, you know, our basket of products is really designed to fill the bottle up. Got it. That's interesting. That's different. So when you joined EI, you joined obviously in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic in a supply chain role of which supply chain is the hot topic that even, you know, the person on the street now talks about it's the supply chain. What's been the challenges and how did you guys navigate that? Yeah. So it has been a crazy ride 2020 and 2021 for sure. You know, coming back to the idea of you know, relationships with our suppliers and our customers. One of the things that we intentionally do as a distributor is try to stock 60 days of inventory. Wow. Because that gives us a cushion. Unfortunately, it didn't give us enough cushion in 2021, but it did help to alleviate some of the stress for some of our suppliers and for some of our customers. I wish I could say that we didn't let a single customer down. I'm sad to say that's not true. Unfortunately, we did. But I think The thing that I learned most in the crisis, it's really all about communication. It's about fast and effective communication, both to our suppliers and to our customers. It's about delivering that bad news fast, even if it's bad, right? Because then they can pivot and say, okay, well, this material is not going to be here. Let me make this one instead. You know, so it was really about leaning in there 
being transparent, genuine care for both the suppliers and the customers, suppliers are really suffering, you know, because most large multinational manufacturers, they don't have a lot of inventory, right? So they're, they're doing right. this just in time thing. So they really suffered. So it was really an opportunity for us to lean in and really live out our purpose again, you know, helping and supporting them. Yeah, that's interesting. It's an interesting perspective going from, yeah, a place of lean inventory in a manufacturer to one where your assumption is 60 days of inventory, which is a lot of inventory. Like, absolutely, you know, unless you're going into a shutdown, no chemical manufacturer wants to be sitting on 60 days of inventory, right? Some, no, that's somebody's right. Somebody's head's going to blow up over that. So it's kind of crazy. But that's the value we bring to the marketplace as a distributor, right? Being able to fill in the gap, so to speak, between the manufacturers and users. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's our sweet spot. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, we talked maybe a little bit about this already, but customer experience is such a critical and often overlooked and frankly undervalued differentiator in the chemical industry as a distributor sitting right there in the middle in your customer experience in many ways is both to your suppliers, the producers, as well as to the formulators, the final customer. What have you found really makes the difference in creating that value through that customer experience? What's unique maybe about what EI does or even just how you see the market evolving with that? Yeah, I think it still comes back to communication and transparency. Whether we're working with our suppliers or our customers, it's all about speed of response, transparency that then builds trust between the supplier and us or the customer and us. So, you know, on the customer side, if we are working with them on a new material, it's about getting the sample to them in days, not weeks of when they asked for it. It's about getting them the regulatory dossier within days or not weeks and, you know, getting them that first drum for their launch when they need it. On the supply side, this is the same thing, right? It's getting them that market intel back from our vast customer. You know, if we're, as I said, promoting 2000 products, we've got a pretty widespread understanding of what's going on in the marketplace, right? We can provide that information back to our suppliers and that's highly valuable. And that creates this really great experience for both the suppliers and the customers. Okay. So, you know, what lessons have you taken from Clarion and been able to apply over to EI? How has that flanged together? Because your experiences have been so vastly different in both areas. Yeah, in a lot of ways different, but also in a lot of ways the same. I would say that in the you know years of working for a Swiss German chemical company, there's a bit of structure that comes with that. Oh yeah, you know, and that's one thing I take away is the structure and building the structure that's needed for the future organization as we continue to grow as essential ingredients. You know, we're going to need to continue to build the organization and build the capabilities to be able to deliver on the future if we want to be a hundred year company we're going to have to be able to pivot and grow and develop. So that's one of the things that I'm taking away from my time at Clarion is uh, that experience of growing over time and how to position that for the future. Yeah. Interesting. And even just the whole aspect of having, you know, the processes and and ways of working, I think that as a company matures and grows, right? If you're going beyond where you are today to more people and longevity, having that repeatability, the process focus, knowing you know, how you continue to replicate and build upon yourself becomes critical. Exactly. That's exactly it. 
Very well said. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> I've been talking a little bit more than you have on these podcasts. So you know, let's just take it as that. <laughs> oh, interesting. So what about leadership? So how have you found leadership to be different inside of a small entrepreneurial distributor versus in a bigger company? What have been the leadership differences that you've seen? So I think there's a lot more of just do it. You know, you don't have to ask a lot. If you're showing them that you know where you're going, they're very happy to let you run and to do those things, which is very refreshing, right? It's, it's more of an entrepreneurship attitude. I really like that. I feel like I'm thriving under that. So that's one thing that I really see fits well with me. Yeah, that's awesome. And EI is a U.S. company, right? Does it have other? It is a U.S. company. Yeah. So we operate in the U.S. and in Canada right now. So that's also a nice thing coming out out of a global company where, you know, many mornings I was up at 4 a.m. on conference calls. We don't start work till a respective eight o'clock in the morning, which is really nice. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I had yeah. to be somewhere today at seven and I thought the whole time I'm like, this is uncivilized to have to <laughs> get up and get dressed and leave the house at six. Although I did it for decades. Yeah, I know. Right. I mean, it's like I had done it for so many years, but now I'm like, oh, that is hard to get up and get going that early. But you're right with the global companies having calls at six and 7 a.m. are pretty routine. Yeah. Whereas being able with everybody being in one general time zone or one or two time zones, it's much easier to navigate. Absolutely. Yeah. Our biggest issue is trying to find times to talk with the West Coast. Yeah, I believe that. So what's next for EI? What do you guys see happening as we look forward into 2022 and beyond? Well, I would love to report that the supply crisis is going to be over by X date. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So 2022 is looking really good for us. But we've just finished our five-year strategic planning cycle, which was really exciting. It was, I've been through quite a few strategic planning cycles in my career, but this one was really unique because we invited over half of our employee base to participate in the building of the strategy. That's impressive. Yeah, we had 10 different strategic initiative teams that we had different folks on with different experiences and backgrounds. And a couple great things come from that. One is we get a lot of great ideas because, you know, not all the great ideas come from the top. We know that most of the time they don't come from the top. So we got some really good ideas. And the second thing that came out of that is we got immediate buy-in and ownership of the final strategic product because we were all involved in building it. You know, so there was none of this, you know, trying to get people on board. They were already on board. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you know, we've hit the ground running in 2022. We rolled out the strategy in January and we're already, you know, working through game plans and milestones. It's really been a great experience from a from a strategy build perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's really good to hear. That's one of the things I talk to folks about. And when I work with clients, I mean, that's my thing is it's got to be personal and you have to involve more people in your strategy Because when you involve them, they buy in, you get their ideas, they buy in early. Exactly. And you actually can make your strategy effective and actually execute because so many companies have difficulty. It's easy to set strategy. I mean, it's sure strategy is easy to set. So we're going to go do this. And this is why actually living up to it, executing, getting your teams on board is really hard. So if you incorporate them early, it helps that success come through. Exactly. And it's been really exciting to see different folks in the organization 
you know, step up and really ask for additional responsibility and ask to be, you know, a leader in this or that other initiative. So, you know, for me, that's kind of what leadership is about, right? If you can help folks to find their voice, you know, to be able to be their best self within the organization, then done, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I think that's it. That's absolutely it. That's awesome to hear. It's super exciting. It is. It sounds really exciting. And uh, it sounds like you've found a great place to be. And I'm, I'm happy to see that. You know, it's like, I think a lot of people across the chemical industry, they kind of have, you know, step one, step two careers. And it's always good to see when you kind of make this pivot and it's a really awesome, successful pivot for you. So well done. Yeah. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us on the chemical show. This has been great. Yeah. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to see and talk with you, Victoria. Absolutely. And thank you to all of our listeners. Um, Keep listening, keep sharing the podcast and follow us online and on your favorite podcast player. And we will see you again next time. We've come to the end of today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time with us and want to learn more. Simply visit thechemicalshow.com for additional information and helpful resources. Join us again next time here on The Chemical Show with Victoria Meyer.